Recent experiences and self-reflection led me to a moment in reviewing how I attempt to hold space for those who are emotional, with my real challenge being present and able to hold a nurturing space for someone in an intimate relationship to share how I have recently affected them. My revelation in all of this was realizing that my default and subconscious reaction is to go into problem-solving mode to fix the issue that I have allegedly caused. This overly mental view turned out to rarely be what is actually needed in these situations, which is why I was here today requesting some guidance from Alexander on how I can be a better partner in this aspect. I have recently experienced some different levels of growth in my personal self-development practice. Of course, we have shared a little bit of that on the podcast. I hope you all are experiencing some of the same shifts of leveling up and continuing to grow and work towards uh, a better you. But we're also going to be experiencing some changes and shifts in the podcast. And without saying too much, we just want you to be ready and aware and to stay tuned for some of our new developments within the podcast coming very soon. And with that said, let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander. Uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. Yeah, we're about to get our self growth on today, Alexander. I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. I'm kind of giddy because. (laughs) Alexander doesn't know what the topic is today. Oh, we do it blind. Yeah, we do it from time to time, but I don't know when the last time we've done it is. Usually he knows a little bit about the topic or we've previously discussed it, but this one he has no idea what I wanted to bring up today. Dun, dun, dun. All right, so now I'm feeling a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been looking at my new Destiny card birth year report coming up. Okay. So mid-April... I'll be turning 38 and I've been looking at the, the Mercury period specifically in the 52 day cycles. Mm -hmm. And I have a six of hearts there, which I feel like I always have a six of hearts (laughs) in the Mercury period. And it's about like, I guess, realizing or reflecting on how you've communicated in your relationships in the past and kind of uh, maybe paying a karmic debt. Uh, in, in accordance to how you handled that? Would you or say? it could be said that you receive what you've given in the past. So so yes, all sixes can be seen as karmic repayment. Uh, I also like to just look at it as it's a reminder of how we're treating others. To be reminded of that through our own experience is one of the best ways to get the wisdom. Yeah, and whenever I see that, I I really try to reflect on my role in past communications and where I could have done better. But past experiences or recent experiences have helped me to reflect more on 
who I've been in relationships the past couple years and kind of gauge where I want to be, what kind of person I want to be. And even in uh, a recent episode where we talked about how I've had that experience where I've been able to tap into that gratitude, I feel like that has softened me up a little more to be able to be honest and take more responsibility of my past actions and the way I've communicated. Yeah, I think a big part of that is to realize that vulnerability and self-growth do walk hand in hand. And so we do have to come to certain stages to make sure we're visiting that vulnerability to not judge ourselves and look at ourselves as we did wrong in the past, but just more shining the light on being able to see it from a wider view at this point and then utilizing that incentivizes to actually make change to affect people in a different way while staying out of guilt is a big important point of that. Absolutely. Because when I reflect upon what I'm going to bring up, if I judged myself, it was way harder for me to take action and actually accept it about myself to the point where I can then take it on as a responsibility and stand in my power and be like, no, I, I'm now interested in changing this aspect. I'm ready. I'm ready to take that next step because I can see how it's no longer serving me in my relationships if I ultimately want to reach my intention of what that looks like. And because in the past, if I have judged myself or been disappointed in myself, just that pressure keeps me in like a low vibe. Yeah, and I wanted to highlight something that you said a little bit earlier that standing in your power or stepping into your power and accepting more responsibility come hand in hand as well. And many people ask me, how do you stand in your power? How do you step into your power? And many times people don't want to hear that responsibility is part of that. It's just that you're willing to hold yourself to a new level or to a new ideal that you want to work towards. And again, we suggest that you're going to fail many, many times before you truly grow. And to make failure the definition of that, to shift that to just that that uh, gives me the opportunity to grow rather than anything negative. And I think that that's a big part of many people getting over the guilt step through self-growth is that it can actually hold you back if you guilt yourself. And, you know, I think these are some very beautiful insights that you're having and experiencing. And I'm already excited about uh, where this episode is going to take us. All right. Well, here we go. As bluntly as possible, I've realized that I don't think I know how to nurture. I feel like I know how to do it in my mind, but when I actually try to, I just fail. I can't find the words. It's like my mind becomes blank and I don't know what to say in those instances. And so I'm really hoping that in this episode, we can maybe break down some sort of structure that I, most importantly, but also our listeners can take away and practice it. So when they get in a situation with somebody they love or a family member and somebody comes at them and wants to like talk about how they feel, they can tap into like, okay, let's do this, 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 and it will yield results in that person being heard and whatever else that we feel needs to happen in that moment. Because I feel like I've trained myself to go into podcast mode when somebody has an issue. And if they're a significant other, that's not always needed and wanted in that moment. There's a time and place to maybe bring that in, 
but I've just trained myself. So every time there's a problem, I'm immediately, okay, how to solve it? Who has the trauma, you know, and, and what can we both do? But that's not bringing any sort of space in for a person to feel safe with yeah, their feelings. And it's that separateness that they feel because many times to be the analyzer, you have to remove yourself from, of course, the emotional level, but from the experience to be able to see it more objectively. And I think, again, this is with the best of intentions to be useful. But yeah, we can create these patterns that we're doing that's not taking us in the direction that we truly want to go. So I appreciate your vulnerability to share this because I do think that this is going to be very helpful to many listeners. And where I want to start with is I would like to ask you to list me just a few things that you do to nurture yourself because as within, so without. And so many times when we want to learn to do something for someone else, one of the first steps is to learn to do that for ourselves. And the more that we can expand on that experience, it can give us a depth of how to do that for someone else. So, you know, I know it's kind of putting you on the spot, but please share like what you would consider nurturing yourself. Like if I was having a sort of like emotional reaction or feeling bad about something that happened, I would lay down and rub my stomach and talk to myself and bring in a different perspective to kind of counterbalance what I was feeling, bringing in the other perspective of what was reality or like we've talked about tapping into a time if I was feeling a lack of love, tapping into a time when I felt an abundance of love right. while rubbing my stomach, talking to my inner child. I also take a lot of like baths or showers if I'm feeling emotional. That really helps me to release, you know, through water mm-hmm. or, you know, turning on aromatherapy with some essential oils, right. things like that. Right. And those are all good things. And I do want to separate at this point the need for the emotional reaction to be there because we can nurture ourselves just like you were saying with a bath or with some essential oils like we did right here before hitting record on the podcast for whatever reason i wanted some fire element in here so i lit a couple of candles and i asked aaron if he wanted anything to enhance his environment and he asked for these sprays that we have around and so you know just little things like that that the more we get in a habit of making our environment truly nurturing. It's the small practices that lead up to the big solutions. And sometimes the more that we can practice it in a secondary nature, it can get in the subconscious faster to where so far I feel like your your interest is to be able to be that nurturer in an emotional reaction moment. But we want to be careful to practice it outside of that over and over and over. And that's why I'm bringing up just the the nurturing in general and little things like making sure your environment is as good as it can be for anything that you're going to enjoy, whether that is doing something creative or watching TV or playing some music or whatever it is, you know, to relish in the senses is I think what I'm getting to. And I know that you have that practice that you've gotten into to where you just enhance all the senses kind of simultaneously. Why don't you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've recently been able to just still my mind and 
kind of take in everything that's going around me, the smells, the noise, the birds, even closing my eyes and allowing myself to feel what's going on in the moment around me. But then also I, I usually bring in gratitude as well to tap it all off and mm. kind of bring myself to a more grounded state. Right. So that's a type of nurturing. Some people might call that a type of meditation or contemplation. But it's an experience that you're having, and it can so-called raise your vibe. I think that that's what's kind of being looked for. You know, nurturing is another one of those words that can be complex to discuss it with someone and you truly be on the same page about it because people see it many different ways. And I think one of those nurturing ways is that just everything feels uh, complete. Everything feels like enough. There's the nurturing of a mother's touch that the child isn't looking for anyone else to touch them in that moment. And so getting back to these little practices of nurturing, we want to be conscious that we're practicing it in the situations that we want to get better at, but also not waiting for those situations uh, or else you've got to create more of them to get enough practice in, but finding other ways to uh, practice this nurturing as well. I would love to dive more deeper into the nurturing when there's friction. And obviously it's a little easier to bring a nurturing space to somebody when you're not directly involved in making them feel how they feel. Right. It still was a little challenging for me because I immediately want to go into problem-solving mode. And yes. I'm in my, my mental and wanting to come up with another perspective for them to see things differently. Right. But they, all, of course, need to process their emotions first. So maybe we could start out with a situation where you're not directly involved, but something has happened. Let's say they got some news that maybe a family member got in a, in a car accident and they don't know the extent of it. So there's a lot of mystery around that. But that is what creates the emotional reaction because they don't know. So their mind can tend to go to all these crazy places. Right. And the very first term that I want to use here, and it's going to be the main term through this whole podcast more than likely, is acceptance. And truly the practice that this philosophy supports in getting away from good and bad and right and wrong. And this judgment is a, it's a self-judgment. And to whatever level we judge ourselves, we project that onto others. So when we are in a situation like this, and someone is showing fear, maybe we'll just label it as that because they don't know, then in order to be optimally useful to them, we have to learn to accept that there's nothing wrong here, that this is a natural process of getting information shared and not having all the details. So there's nothing to fix. That's the very first thing because when little Johnny at five years old skins his knee and comes to mama. Mama doesn't try to fix anything. The very first thing she does is let Johnny know he hasn't done anything bad. And so the first step of nurturing can be just letting someone know that exactly what they're feeling is okay. And see, when we go into fix-it mode, that's saying that what you're experiencing right now is not okay. We've got to change this. And that's what can many times get turmoil going with the best of intentions. One of my sayings is good intentions are the death of a wise one because you can mean to help. But yes, time is so important and giving people the time to adjust to the news, to adjust to the fear that comes in. 
So that very first step of nurturing is letting them know, hey, I'm here and everything that you're experiencing right now is okay. And I want to validate it, that that I'm here for you. If you need to cry, if you need to scream, whatever you need to do, I'm here for you. And them to be able to feel that comfort of whatever they've got to experience is okay. And many times if a person in that situation or a child feels that their environment is safe, they don't need to even follow through with whatever that emotion is that they're experiencing. The whole key is that it feels accepted. So that's the first place that I want to start is with that acceptance and that you're clearing within your own being that there's nothing wrong here. This is a natural process. Let me make sure that they know that they have the right to react at this moment any way they want to. Because when people are holding back emotions, it, it can be seen as almost like a time bomb. And that may n- not explode in that moment, but eventually it's going to explode at some point. So we want to work towards always managing our emotions. But when somebody else is being challenged with a situation, we don't want to go into management mode or fix it mode. We want to go into acceptance. Now, let's change the example up a little bit. And maybe this person had some confrontations at work and they're opening up to you about it, about how it made them feel and things like that. Do we still take the same approach? Well, I think that it's important here to... First of all, be clear in what kind of understanding you have with the other person. Is it that you were friends in the way to where you vent for each other? So there's venting friends. There's friends that are truly going to bring you their perspective each time, no matter what you bring to them. So that's uh, so-called keeping it real friends. And then some friends are the yes people that will just agree with whatever that other person is exhibiting or releasing and giving them confirmation. You have the right to feel that way, blah, blah, blah. So see, that's the first step in that kind of situation is you need to be clear. Like you were saying earlier, it was with an intimate person. And all of these things shift slightly depending on the degree of your relationship. And that's why there's no set ways to do things. There's always a constant flow of how things are being received and given. So in that situation, let's say hypothetically that you were that type of friend that is going to bring the most useful perspective that they have. So when that person comes, you may want to remind them or discuss it at that time of, hey, which friend are you looking for right now? Because I want to be there for you. And you know, let them answer that, then give those three different variations. And if they say, no, I need you to be like truthful or for real with me, then in that next situation, a confirmation goes a long way to say, hey, I'm not judging you. Believe me, I don't blame you for being as upset as you are. But when we come to each other for clarity, it would be helpful if we were able to come and show our weakness but then be able to share at least an idea of where we feel like we want to be looking at it so that when you bring your view, it's not such a contrast. And so that's what I suggest to friends that are going to try to help each other grow is that you have to first kind of have that agreement that that's what we're going to do. And then it's very similar. You don't want to make the other person 
feel judged. So it helps if they're able to do this as they're venting what the problem is. I'm so sick of Darren at work talking to me this way, but I know he's just here to teach me something. See, that's showing that both sides come to me, not with just a problem, but with at least a solution and we will hone the solution. So I think that choosing between those three options is very relative in that situation. And so possibly in that instance, we may bring in our problem solving or Aaron's podcast mode. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Again, if that is the understanding, I say agreements and understandings very loosely because when people are in their emotions, they will forget an agreement that they made with you. This is why I like to say, if you have that agreement that we come to each other with the problem and a potential solution or where we want to be at it, and if they don't, then that may be a good sign that they're not really looking for the problem solving or their podcast errand, so to say, even if that's what they say that they want. So, see, I'm trying to help all the listeners here to be able to realize that it's kind of like surfing. All of the self-development work or communicating is no wave is the same. And so you can't have just a strict way to approach everybody in every situation. The beauty is being able to adapt and remembering that it's not the strongest that will survive. It's not the smartest that will survive, but it is the one that can adapt. So adaptation is such a big part of this whole philosophy. And that's why acceptance is at the head of that, because until you accept something, you can't see all the different angles of it. And that's what you need for optimal flexibility. Well, I kind of want some <laughs> hard structure, so it'd be a lot easier to know what to do. Yeah, it would. And we can keep either on the same type of example, and we can break it down like step-by-step uh, step by that, or keep bringing up different types of examples and give different approaches. But we can come up with, yes, a general way to approach it, but certain specifics are going to play an important role. Yeah, I would love to dive into the intimate relationship where something is is kind of like on you. So let's say your intimate partner comes to you and something that you just said created an emotional reaction in them. Like maybe they took something the wrong way. You said something and they misunderstood your intention around it or the context. Took it personal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They got offended and... Now they're in front of you, or maybe even like an hour or two later, they're coming to you. They're still in that emotion, though. So I want to bring that in because there's still emotion there, but they want to talk about it. So my challenge has been, how do I hold space there while making them feel that they're heard? And then where in time does the point come where we look at the responsibilities of both people on what to look at and what to take on going forward so that we can start to make progress on situations like these. Okay, so this is a great example. And so the person that has been mostly emotionally affected and say they come up an hour later uh, and they want to talk about it like you just presented, in that situation, what I would like the receiver to do because they're less emotionally triggered at that point is to be able to say, I would really like to hear how you experience this. I can almost promise that it's not the way that I intended it, but I'm not looking to justify myself in this moment. I just want you to feel like you can be heard at whatever your experience was. This was your experience. 
And then we can either wait till later this evening for me to share my side of it, or we can discuss it tomorrow because the main thing is, is that you are heard and you feel heard and just know that that was not my intention was to hurt you in any way. But I'm not going to go into any further discussion because I don't want it to feel like I'm justifying my actions in any way. I want to give your truth plenty of time to be heard. And then many times that person will say whatever their truth is, and then they really want to know your side. And all that needs to be shared at that moment is what your intention was. My intention was this, and this is how I meant for you to receive it. But I want to take what you have shared with me, and I want to go process that myself to see how I can better communicate with you. And see, that's going to set up incentive for that person, the first person, to, well, maybe they're interested in what they could do to help the communication as well. When you're being that example of saying, I want to take what you said, and I want to give it ample time and be able to come back to you later, making sure I'm not in any kind of defense mechanism to share how I'm seeing this now. And that that can become a pattern over time to, first of all, dissipate that you don't get into problem solving when emotions are present. But it is important to be receptive to the person and what they want to share, that this was my experience. It doesn't matter at that moment that that isn't what you intended, because Remember, the child needs to feel that they're not being judged. And so when they're able to express, and it may be sharply expressed with emotions, you know, the best thing and most respectful thing we can do is just let someone know that we hear them and that we're going to do our best to process that information and to utilize it moving forward in communicating so that I offend you less And then the ideal is for the person that had the reaction to come back around in a latter time in another conversation to maybe question, do you see anything that I could do different when I brought that to you or how I brought that to you? Because I don't want to be emotionally triggered like that. And so that's when it can be discussed that all of these emotional triggers are connected to things of our past and things that have already happened to us, and in the present moment, we're all playing roles for each other to just activate these. But if you try to talk about the specifics too early when the emotions are still there and still raw, that's when justification and defense mechanisms come in. And oftentimes, the person who's in their emotions wants to hear, I'm sorry. And that's very hard for me because I kind of share the same view that you do. I like to offer ways that this interaction has changed me and perspectives that I'm going to take going forward instead of saying I'm sorry. Because I know how like empty it can seem to some people and, and even to me and, and to you if somebody just says I'm sorry and there's no other action. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, some people have been trained that that is what an apology is. You know, what Aaron is suggesting that we've discussed here is three main things, that rather than I'm sorry, to hear someone say where they realize that they failed, what adjustment that they see that they need to do, and then how they are going to put that into action moving forward. 
And that, to me, for somebody to give those three things gives me a whole lot more incentive to start building trust again with them than just those words, I'm sorry. But here's the thing. Some people were raised in a family that said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so that becomes the standard of an apology. So one of two things can happen here. You can either get clear with your partner what we're really looking for an apology to be, or we're going to have to work with this person while they bridge that gap of the term, I'm sorry, or I apologize, to answering those three questions. So even though it's not something that I really do very often is use that phrase, if I recognize that somebody needs that, I will say something like, this was definitely taken unlike I intended. And believe me, I want to learn how I can present that better to you so that it doesn't create that trigger. Now, in the ultimate relationship, both parties want to work on that trigger equally. So one is working to manage the words or the phrasing or the tone to not give it in a certain way, while the other one is working that every time they do get triggered, they realize that it is associated with something from the past and that this person is more than likely going to continue to trigger them until they let go of that association. So work can be done on both sides for self-development work, but the relationship work is that both parties are working on that fairly equally and to the same level because if they're not, it's going to create bitterness and expectations and disappointment more than likely on one side or the other. So this is why self-development work and relationship work are two separate things, and I always promote self-development work first. So definitely where I failed in all that is wanting to share my experience of it way too early Uh, because I feel like with the best of intentions (laughs) yeah because in my head I'm like well if you had that experience obviously that was not my intention so here's my intention and I thought that it would just like alleviate yeah that that could shift (laughs) yeah and that would be beautiful if people could shift their emotions with logic but it doesn't work because it's a different level of the field and we can be so guilty, especially in our culture, oh, if I just give you the logical explanation, then you will change what you are experiencing right now. And the emotions and the logic are two completely different worlds. That's why I'm not demeaning people. I'm saying your emotional reaction is a childlike reaction. And to make that person feel received and okay at whatever level they are experiencing those emotions. And those of you doing self-development work and really working on managing your emotions, you have to be very careful not for those around you to feel judged if they go through their emotions. Because remember, we're supporting emotional processing, which means many times the initial reaction has to be there for a period of time until they feel a level of comfort to not have to react in that way. And those of us that, you know, have worked on it longer can be very guilty for trying to bring in the work or help or direction too early before that emotion is received and felt that it's at least safe for me to do this in this environment. But that's a fine line because this is why relationships are challenging for most because You can only hold the other person as accountable as you do yourself. 
And we really don't need to be holding the other person accountable for anything, only ourselves. And if you're in a conscious relationship where both parties are interested in holding themselves accountable, then you don't have to go through the judgment. You can already know that if they don't want to react emotionally like that, and they do, they're more than likely going to beat themselves up. There doesn't need to be anything said external that you shouldn't act like that or you need to get better at not reacting like that. Any of that pressure feels like judgment and normally has the opposite effect of what is intended. I think just the hardest part of all that is to listen to how they're feeling, but knowing that <laughs> that that was not your intention. It's like you know the truth of what you were trying to do, and but you have to sit there and and accept it. How it was it's, received. It's humbling, but it's it's hard for me personally. But maybe can you bring in maybe some like phrases or words that you would use to help them know and maybe help yourself uh, get to a point where you are allowing them and and you're good with that, you know? Yeah, I mean, one of the very first ones is a phrase that I use almost daily, and it is from Jesus, and it's when Jesus said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So over a long period of time, I worked to train myself that when someone is in an emotional reaction, they do not know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. They don't know... Uh, how they're acting, they're not going to remember it the same way that you remember it. So it is a a training that you can just see that when emotions are presented, you have stepped into Maya or you have stepped into the illusion. So in the illusion, it doesn't matter what you think only is happening. It matters who you are connected with and how they're seeing it and how you're seeing it. And the sooner that you guys can just agree that you're not challenging each other's view (laughs) you're just having a different experience and the person that's the most emotionally reactive is the one that needs the most nurturing another saying that i enjoy sharing is if you think you know more than anyone else in the room well congratulations you carry the most responsibility and by responsibility i mean the most compassion and that's where the more that you do this work, just the more responsibility you carry. So if someone misconstrues something that you say or something that you do, remember, they're your teacher as well. They're helping you to see that if you say and do things like this, maybe not just with me, but with many people out there in the world, you might get some similar reactions. So that's why one of the five pillars is every situation or every person has a lesson if you're willing to look for it and to always remember that that's the first step of humility is that you've got something to learn here before teaching them something so if you can use that phrase of forgive them father for they know not what they do and take the the verbiage of whatever they experienced that you did or that you said And then, like I said, keeping your verbal exchange as minimal as possible to simply say, I just really hope that you can see and I trust that you will see that that was not my intention, but I'm carrying compassion for what it has activated. And I want you to know that you're not being judged here. And I look forward to giving more explanation of what I intended, but I don't feel that that's necessary right now. I just want you to feel supported and safe. 
and then some other time is set up for you to share that. Or you may even get to a point where you just go, no, this person is going to have to go through many of these before they feel safe with me. So there's really no need in me justifying what I meant and all that, because again, that can be connected to the ego. This is also a big part of accepting relationships is that you're going to have to play this role over and over and over for them before they get it. Again, people changing is not just a logistical issue. It's five layers deep, like the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual. And so this comes back to patience and being willing to truly be loving and compassionate and nurturing to somebody is to realize that they are going to have these emotional reactions. And the key for them to change is to see that you are a safe environment for them. And we have to manage how much we put ourselves in that. So part of this is regulating your time around these people while you are developing and working on these issues. Because, see, that's really an individual issue. It's not a relationship issue. But hopefully we get to the point to where we go, you know, there's nobody in the world that I would rather activate my triggers than you because I know that you love me and I know that you're not meaning anything intentionally negative. But I also accept that you are going to flip my triggers from time to time. And the work for the person working on their emotional reaction is to learn to separate that whatever Aaron just said or did that activated this in me, that's not Aaron. He's just activating some healing that I haven't done from my father or from my brother or past relationships. And then that is a whole, you know, separate set of steps to to work through processing that stuff. So let's say that, yes, we're aware of all this stuff. And the person we are working through this, the, the emotional person in this instance is not aware, not into self-development. I feel like in that situation, I have like a little bit of fear that comes in if I was in that situation because... I don't know that we are on the same page as far as like after the emotions are gone, the understanding that this is from a past thing. It's not me. I didn't do this to you. It's just bringing up something from the past to trigger that emotion. So I feel like there's a lot of power there on that end because you're almost like, yes, I mean, you're giving them space to release and process their emotion. But if, they do see it in that way i feel like they have a lot of power in holding you responsible for how they feel and i don't know like how to deal with that i think yeah i mean that's a huge topic because this is the question of whether you're really in a relationship with somebody that wants to do the work or not and lots of people are in relationships to where their partners aren't interested in doing the work some will say they are some will just flat out say they're not So that relationship can still be beneficial if you're working on just self-development work, but you're not going to be working on any intimacy and developing intimacy in the relationship. So being clear in what kind of relationship you're in is important, and that doesn't mean that that relationship can't be intimate at some time, but maybe you just need to be friends for three to five years while that person doesn't feel the pressure. And by friends, I normally mean that you take – the sexual or intimacy at that level out of it because that changes the vibration of how two people see each other and it takes a lot of pressure away. So 
you can love somebody and it still not be optimal time to be in an intimate relationship with them. We can be better self-development partners as friends than we can as intimate partners. And so I think, again, that is the responsibility of the one that feels like they might know more about self-development and that kind of thing to be realistic of where the other person really is at and to learn to make those adjustments within yourself. Because, again, people really truly learn from example. And even someone that's not into the work at all, if they're given enough room, if they're given enough space, if they're given enough nurturing, they are a whole lot more likely to be open to these different views over a period of time. But again, we come back to the the frustration of wanting things or wanting somebody to be at a different place than they really are. And the step that we skipped was acceptance because the acceptance isn't just that the person is where they are, but the, part of the acceptance is the acceptance of where they are as best that you can understand that. And this isn't coming from a judgment standpoint. It's coming from your self-regulation of how frequently you should be around this person because somebody is going to activate those triggers. And if it's not the right time to be together intimately, see, you can be the friend that that person comes to when somebody else has activated that trigger. And they're a whole lot more likely to listen to you as that friend than an intimate partner. So if you can't accept that about that person, then maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship with them, right? Yeah, yeah, just the intimate you know, part and to be able to say that, again, many times people get love mixed up with intimate relationships and love doesn't have to be mixed up with intimacy. They can be separate and that love can even turn into intimacy because what we're talking here is we're bringing in respect. And many times on this podcast have said that I see respect as even more important than love in relationships. Because as soon as respect starts to get tore down, a lot of negativity breeds. So keeping the relationship at the level that respect thrives is what I'm suggesting. And that may be at a friendship, somebody's able to respect your different view easier than an intimate connection that you're trying to build a life toward the same goals with. So I'm pleading to people at this time to truly look at our five main questions. The first three is individual in this philosophy of who are you, what are you passionate about, and what do you exemplify? And then the last two that's connected to what we're talking about now is what are you looking to receive out of a relationship, an intimate relationship, and what are you looking to give that intimate relationship Those two questions seem simple when they're just asked point blank, but they really carry a lot of depth because if your interest is to love this person and help this person, then maybe you should be willing to not be in an intimate relationship with them. That is respect. It should be beyond what you want or what anybody wants. It's what what is for the overall good of everyone involved here. And that if you do want or one person wants that intimacy, then that should be the incentive to work to get to know this person's ways and their practices and to work towards that before entering into that intimacy so that you don't lose the respect. So keeping that word respect, how can we be involved and to what frequency, meaning how often and for what time frames to where we're able to hold respect 
for each other. And see, people can be emotional and still be respectful. They can be upset and even say something like, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm a little triggered right now. I'm a little upset, but I respect you that I don't want to take this out on you. So if you want to leave, I will understand. And then if that person says, well, no, I'm here for you, you know, and so I uh, thank you for saying that, but I'm not going anywhere until you work through this. So let's either talk about it or not. That is a conscious communication kind of exchange. And the key here that is more important is respect over love. So keep your frequency of being around people connected to how long the respect is held. And then you can slowly navigate over time all the people in your life to know how much time you can spend around them before that respect starts to to wane. And many people are guilty almost every day of, of doing that. And so for some people, it's manners. They don't want to be rude. Uh, some people don't want to disappoint somebody. But it still comes back around to if you overextend the amount of time being around somebody to where it affects the way that you look at them or respect them, then that is deteriorating the so-called relationship. And some of the things we've talked about here are creating some sort of structure within your relationship to have time for listening and, and hearing them out on their emotions so they can process and release it and then not directly <laughs> trying to share your side of it until a, a later point in time. And maybe that's something that couples can do together before there's an emotional reaction to put into agreement, whether it's on paper or verbal, I would say put, probably put it on paper and you both like sign it. So it's like a conscious thing that you're doing to hold each other accountable to that structure so that there will be a time set in the future to come back together. But I wanted to talk about when that's brought in the, the processing time outside of the emotion. Are there tips that you can give on how to communicate when you're sharing both your sides and then what ultimately occurred and maybe how each person can take responsibility for their part? Because I've heard that maybe not using you when you're talking to that person or when you're explaining your view is helpful. It's so hard for me not to do that because I'm explaining what happened. So I don't know how to not use you mm-hmm. when I'm explaining it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then that's keeping it more on the experience rather than the person. And that can help, but it can be challenging. The first step that I like to suggest is that both parties in the so-called relationship agree that they have the right to speak their mind, whatever that is. And so I like to suggest that the first two exchanges is that one person gets to speak their truth and nothing is said back. And then at a later time, either 30 minutes, an hour, a day or whatever that is agreed upon, then the other person gives their view. And then some more time is given and then they come together after just hearing each other's view as neutral as possible to come together to try to discuss the the situation. But both parties have been heard and both parties have gotten to express. Many times that will get the emotional part out of it and make it possible for that conscious conversation down the road. So here we're talking about kind of Aaron as the example. So working on the nurturing side, since you've put that as kind of your responsibility, your self-responsibility, is to always see that you want to make that person heard first. 
and that that is practicing nurturing, is practicing managing the ego, is practicing not needing to be heard or justify your actions in that moment. So that shows the practice in patience. So when that person, you know, either one comes to the other and says, hey, I have something to share, to trust that you're not going to get into an in-depth conversation in that moment, I think is very healthy to have that exchange of, okay, you're going to speak your truth. And anytime you come to me in that way and say, you have something that you need to share, I'm just going to be the listener. And then you share whatever you want to. And then at some point in time, I'm going to come up and say, I have something to share. The key with, I have something to share is that you're giving that other person ample time to make some kind of adjustment because just because you come up and say you have something you want to share does not mean that they're in the headspace to receive what you've got to say. So this isn't, you should listen to me now because I'm ready to speak. It's a communicating that I'm ready to share when you have a window and you're ready to receive. So see, there needs to be flexibility in that because the key in conscious communication is that both parties want to work toward the resolve rather than who is right. And so that's why both parties expressing and both parties practicing listening can lead toward that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that perspective of working towards the resolve and not anything else. I think keeping that in view when we're discussing the the issues around the situation, I feel like when you keep that in view, it's it's going to lend more towards consciousness rather than not. And one thing that I struggle with is when somebody comes to me, I was like, I have something to share. Sometimes my like solar plexus has a little ding and I immediately think I've done something wrong. Right. So I've felt the need to say, please tell me that, that I haven't done anything wrong. If that's what it is, just so I can like relax a little bit. Right. Right. And that was so well said because that's what I've been talking about from the beginning that the child needs to feel that they're safe, that they haven't done anything wrong. So, you know, just a a simple prelude to you haven't done anything wrong, but there's something that I need to share, you know, that can go a long way. And so every time that we feel that on one end, we should utilize it to elicit something on the, the other end. Like if you felt that on the receiving end, then that's the incentive for you to use that buffer with people to to, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about. Like, for instance, you and I had a situation, I guess it's close to a couple years ago now, to where you posted a picture that, because it was on a specific day, and we're not going to get into the details here, but it offended someone. And they contacted me, and it, they were connected loosely in business. And then I had to come to you in that way to share but first, I remember doing my best to make sure you didn't feel like you'd done anything wrong. This is somebody else's perception, but I wanted to discuss some options that we might have of how we can handle that. And I think that was a great experience that we had because we did resolve it. It just went away basically all by itself. And I really appreciated you being open and you wound up taking the picture down And I wasn't even necessarily going to ask you to do that. You came to that at your own resolve. But I did want to get clear on and understand what your intentions was so that I could communicate that back to this person that I may or may not lose business from. So that was one of those experiences that I felt like we had extreme amount of success that if it was initiated in a different way, 
it could have had very, very different results. But is there anything with that experience that you feel like you could share with the listeners that you experienced? I think that was an episode that we did where we brought up, would you rather be right or helpful? And right. and that for me was such a great mantra or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it even applies in this situation. Like when you're in conflict or somebody wants to share and you feel yourself <laughs> like me wanting to explain your side, that's not helpful in that moment. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If you feel that pull, you're more than likely going to be coming with emotion. And so the beautiful art of living an authentic life and living in resonance with yourself is that you're not looking to push anyone's energy like you don't like your energy pushed. So you want to do those things to buffer how you're presenting things as well as when you're receiving them. So the more you want to defend yourself, the practice is in not defending at that time. And like I said, being willing to uh, listen at that time and know that you're going to get your say down the road. So see, this is getting back to the practice of right and wrong, good and bad, that when somebody comes to you and says, I got something that I need to say to you. See, for you to do the work, it's not asking people to use those buffers because whether they think you've done wrong or not, that shouldn't be your truth. It shouldn't affect whether you've done something wrong in your own mind. So this is getting into some deeper levels of work, but when we're in a relationship, we want to communicate that. And yes, if you can give me this buffer, it will help, but the work is not needing the buffers uh, eventually. And that's everybody's work to work to accept that your emotional triggers are your responsibility. They're not your fault that they were installed in you, but they are your responsibility to learn to work with. And it's only going to enhance your relationships and help the depth of intimacy by doing that emotional management work. Yeah, I feel like part of needing that from certain people is the lack of trust and understanding of how they view doing something wrong because mm -hmm. if if i don't know them or if i know that they're the type of person to hold grudges or things like that that i'm probably going to be a little more sensitive to how they're viewing me versus somebody who is more on the conscious end and understanding nurturing compassionate then maybe there's not as much of a worry there or a fear mm -hmm. yeah and, uh, and this is why working with your most challenging people are the most rewarding because Again, having that ability to adapt and having that room that no matter who brings this up to you, I have a buffer. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do here. And that doesn't justify or make someone's emotional reactions okay. But until they feel safe in their environment, and that can take years, people. I mean, it can take when, say, somebody's 35 years old and they've been in this reacting off of this defense mechanism their whole life. And now they get with somebody that can communicate or whatever. You got to be willing to put half that time into them making that adjustment. That could be up to 15 years or longer. Because in the holistic world, many people will tell you it takes half as long to correct something as it did to create it. So then this investment of love and respect and the importance of respect. This is why is because most of this self-development work takes longer than anybody wants it to. So you've got to be able to be around it and involved in it to the amount that you can hold respect or it's going to tear you down very quickly. Well, I don't think many people wanted to hear that because uh, <laughs> that's a long time. But, you know, they say 
the best time to plant a tree or do self-development work is now or 15 years ago. Yes, so yes. go start somewhere. And gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. And I think the more people start working on this and the more they see results, the more they want to keep working at yes, it. Yes, yes, that's the incentive. But to realize that it's very similar to working out the physical body, you don't just work out for a few days or a few weeks. You've got to put months, if not years, in to get what certain people have. And so we just got to change our willingness to invest in our development and accept that, yes, it takes longer than just recognizing the issue. And for many people, they call that doing the work, that they can recognize that they're being triggered. No, in this work, that's the very first R. You recognize it. Then you learn to respect it, which is you learn to experience that and not judge it not go through an emotional reaction, and then you learn to redirect it in a more beneficial way. So these are all very gradual steps, and many people are stuck at the point when they think that they can recognize it and maybe even recognize what parent it came from or what situation it came from, that they call that doing the work. And here, that's just the very first step of three stages that we have to go through to truly do the work towards being your authentic self. Well, we have over 100 episodes of all this information. So if you want to dive in, uh, we definitely have the information for you. So I've really enjoyed it, Alexander. I hope that it wasn't much of a surprise for you, but I feel like we, we really got through a lot and I've learned a lot. Yeah, great topic, great topic. Yeah, a lot I'm going to put into my practice and hopefully a couple of years from now, I'll be a pro at this. <laughs> right on, right on. All right, stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness, everyone. Much love.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verities Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.